Hello, dear viewer and listener and people doing neither. And welcome to Burkamp Wonderland. We are sometimes an Arsenal podcast when my lot can be bothered to turn up. Talking about people barely turning up. Chris, you all right, Treaky? Treaky? I want to Burkamp Wonderland, aren't we? It's Honestly. Cheeky Treacle. <laughs> You say I can't turn up and you can't even speak properly. What kind of what kind of outfit are you running here? I've and, got most of my teeth missing. Dear, dear listener that is tuning in, the reason that many of us are not available is because Danny gets up at 5am. No, sorry, midnight and goes to bed at 5am. We're, we're all kind of real normal people. So that's the reason why. Hi, Danny. How are you? I've got a Twitter account. How are you? I'll get fucked. <laughs> uh, are you uh in are you looking forward to the Malta game tonight? How do you think you're gonna get on? I, I am, I am. Um it, it's the Faroe Isles, so it's a toughie. But it's winner table. The yeah. It, it's, <laughs> if, they win, if they win by two clear goals, they'll get promoted from division, I think it's group G group D game of division. I don't know. The Nations League group they're in. Can you wipe me out when you finish talking about Malta? I bet it's gonna be great. Can we just have a chat, so <laughs> I'm very invested. You are very invested. You don't have to pick the worst teams in the world and then decide to support them, even though they're rubbish <laughs> to give his life hilarious. Anyway. Oh, so uh, we've oh. got someone here being a bit cheeky. We go through the, the, the people watching oh, in a minute, but uh, next Hello. up, we, we've we've got Sophie back to back podcasts and back to back cups of coffee. I see you've lost the big coat. I I, I did a costume change, like uh, you know, like a host in Miss World uh, oh, yeah. or, or, the, or the Golden Globe. So Lovely. costume change. Plus, I got bloody hot in that jacket and that scarf. Uh, so yes, here I am. You, you Thank look you. like. You look like peak Ron manager. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. With the old sheepskin, how are you? I've really Good. been enjoying your pods. I'm saying you're making us look lazy. You're knocking out pods um, every few days, all your lockdown ones, all your ones with Kev, where he's uh, you two are having a, a right little argument. It's yeah. uh, it's very good, and then he talks a bit louder, and then you talk a bit louder, <laughs> and then he talks a bit louder, and you give up because you think <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to win this. Listen, I'm going to concede to the legend at the end of the day. I'll only take it so far. So uh, he, he, is, he is so good to see a bloke of his reputation in the world of football <laughs> hanging around with you lot. It's uh, gives us all hope. I expect Ian Wright to be on our show regularly uh, very soon, hopefully, possibly after we get him on our show, we'll send yeah, him to after you. us. Oh, you, you know that if he ever does come on your show, everybody's going to want to get him on. So the first thing you need to go is Ian writes one hours. Nobody bug him and ask him to come on yours, and that, that'll end it. Because maybe maybe I'll just bribe him about that night in Moscow, and then we'll get him on. Oh, excellent! No, I'm just kidding, just jesting. That's right. you know. Don't yeah, want to talk about that. No, I don't want to talk about that. So you're all good though. Top shelf, always. Lovely, lovely. And uh, here we go. Uh, I'll let Mike introduce you, Amanda. Mike from the Gooners. Remember Mike, sexy Mike. Uh, the podcast for the sexiest people I know involved. It's nice to that you also included Amanda. What, what do you have to say to that, Amanda? I can't actually. I can't actually say what I want to say because some of your you listeners think that I'm probably a lady, so I'm not going to go to his level. But hello, Danny, oh, yeah. and hello, Chris. You should, Amanda, go to his no, level. No, I'm what not. I'm not going to his level. He's such a tosspot. I'm not going to that <laughs> level. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, are you, are you good, Amanda? Are you, are you looking? This is how many times have we arranged this and had to call it off within a couple of days' notes because for some reason or I think one of them <laughs> broke can't two. do it. I broke a tooth and couldn't. I couldn't really talk properly, let alone eat. I was, I was just honoured to be asked to come on. It's been a long time since I've been on this podcast. It's got to be 
six, seven years, I would say. Podcast so. number 10, and this is podcast 377. <laughs> I obviously made a really good impression, didn't I? I was asked back uh, straight away. It was the transfer deadline day. It was like um, it was uh, Paul Podman in my pants the last time he was on was number 10 as well. So we should try and get uh, people we've had on in the olden days more. Oh, Listen, there's, there's the Podfather, and then yeah. there's a Burkham Wonderland, and then there's this legend. Just just as I was about to in, finish introducing Amanda, it's the man who... Uh, he always time... takes my glory. Always. <laughs> he does, but it's the man who, when I was at Highbury, the first thing I do is I go and have a look for the programme, go and have a look at the reserves and see how many hat-tricks Kevin Campbell had scored that week. And quite often, it was a lot. Mr Kevin Campbell. Hey, guys. How is everybody? Hope you're all well. Very Hello, good. PG. How are you? <laughs> Hello, Casey. I'm fine, thank you. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris's oh, I'm cat. Sorry. I'm epic. sorry, Danny. We've already taken over your podcast. That's okay. That's that's what we want. You're right, Dan. Sit back. <laughs> I, I'm very, very all the better for speaking to. I think we've done a couple of shows together, but you've not spoken to Chris ever, have you? No, he He's, has. No, we did. We did a was it the Saliver yeah. or Gabrielle show we did together? Saliver, yeah. right, Chris? You're right, Chris. Yeah, do good, Kev. How are you? I'm good, mate. Is that a, a cat there? Yeah, I yeah, can see. Lovely. He's sitting the show, just sitting exactly where he shouldn't be. Nice one. He's got nice nine one. lives like Arteta. Cool. Oh, oh, boy, no. oi, oi, oi. What is wrong with you? <laughs> She's on it. She's on it. How long have we got you for, Kev? Uh, you got me for 40 minutes. 40? That's probably wow. Thank you, count, By the way, we are so honoured. Thanks, Kev, for showing up. That is well, the best. Oh, who who that. made that? Yeah. Uh, no Laguna. Him? No Laguna. Oh, and it's, we love him. Yeah, Tease Spring um, is the website. Uh, Tease Fees, uh, Tease Spring. But it's No Laguna. He used to work at Arsenal when he lives in, now lives in, um, is it is it LA he lives in? The United he States in, of America. No, sorry, he lives in, he New, lives Orleans, in New Orleans, doesn't he? He lives yeah. in New Orleans, lives oh, near yeah. Tiffany, doesn't he? He lives not yes, too far from Tiffany, a couple of yes. hours. But he's he designed this. It took him a, a little while to get it um, cleared, but it's cleared now. And I've, I had, as soon as I saw it, I had to buy it. Can you stand up? Kev, so I can he, see he it. Did, no, he did this on no. our show earlier. Oh, excuse me. By the way, we oh, had the exclusive. We had the exclusive earlier. Just yeah. saying. Oh, I haven't yeah. seen it. Some of us <laughs> were I just, working. I just, I just showed you. We didn't have the cat, but we had the exclusive on the sweatshirt. Oh, I just you want to are say. One of those I, I, mood, Kevin Campbell. Look, here you go. To be oh, fair, he has showcased yeah. it quite a bit. That's cool. Anyway, a should nice we be hoodie. quiet and let Danny talk because it is his show? <laughs> Wait, I'm reading in chat. Is Chris back on Twitter? I'm like, when did Chris leave Twitter? I didn't even know oh. he wasn't on Twitter. Chris didn't even open that big black okay, box. Okay, I'll close that box. <laughs> let, let, let's let's just say my love for French football has got me got me uh, DMCA strucken from Twitter. Let's just say that much. And, uh, oh, have you been banned? Oh, we're yeah. in Twitter oh, prison. Suspended, it. apparently pending. Well, it, they, they call it suspension, but... Um, <laughs> three times now, like uh, a like um, a um, a Coquelin suspension type, or like I, or, I, I hope or a Nicholas Bentler suspension type. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope to return one day. But I, I do find it amazing that you can uh, post links to illegal streams thirty times a day and get nothing happen to you. But you post one Florian Tovan goal and you're getting all sorts of shit. It's hilarious. Wow. But, you know, 
hey ho, that's the wonderful world we live in. So uh, one we, day we need, we need one of those. Uh, what do they call it when you sign shit so everyone can bring him back? What do you call that? Oh, um, petition. Petition. There you go. Petition. <laughs> I don't no think I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any more French non- nonsense football all over my timeline. It's no, not, we don't. Stay I do off, Chris. It's, it's controversial opinion, so, so I've had it. And I put the hashtag uh, RIP Chris, and someone went, Don't tell me he's dead. I said, Well, he's Twitter dead. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a good ring <laughs> Just follow him on Instagram. He posts the most amazing <laughs> pictures of his runs. Casey, you would love his pictures. And Amanda, you being a walker now. Some of the vistas where Chris lives, stunning, really good stuff. So you can always catch Chris on Instagram. Hey, listen, I'll do your PR, ABW. I'm furloughed. Well, you can forget to tell people we're doing shows. Normally, people put it in advance. We just don't know. We like to surprise them. Surprised, <laughs> uh, turn up whenever. There you go. True Guna saying Super Kevin Campbell. It even says on your Wikipedia, Kev, it says Super Kev. I mean, if Wikipedia says it, it's a fact, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it must be. <laughs> right, let's, must be. let's get a wiggle on. Right, uh, everybody knows that I started with um, Steve's Ball Collective, and then also that's how Amanda started, wasn't it, Amanda? Tell people how you got into podcasting. The first half hour of this, we just talk about podcasting and what you lot are doing, and the the the, the order of how you lot all joined the podcast, and then uh, then we move on to talk a little bit about football at the end. So, Amanda, what did, how did you get into it? Well, the same as you, really, Danny. But I was just new to Twitter, and this. I got a tweet saying, um, can you follow me? And then Steve messaged me and said, we'd like you to come on a podcast. And I know word of a lie went, what's a podcast? I honestly did. And no one, anyone that knows me, Sophie can't wait to speak, look. <laughs> and it was nine years ago. I went, what's a podcast? I said, can I be seen? I went, no, no, no. And it wasn't. It was um, done by Skype. And I said, why would anyone want to listen to me talking about football? I was like, okay. And there was nine of us. He put nine of us together. And no disrespect to some of the people on there, but they didn't even know who Tottenham's manager was. <laughs> so I didn't really want to be associated with that. I'm not a fangirl, obviously. So um, he then put four of us together, and then that worked, and then people changed and couldn't commit. And we started up the Guna. I, th- I can't remember if it, it was the Guna Girls podcast because you were the boys' version, weren't you, with your yeah. lot? We were, you were like the brother pod of us. And it went really well for quite a while. And then things happened, Dan, as you know. And um, things happened on your pod. Things happened on our pod. It wasn't so good. People changed. And then I left. Um, Guna Girls podcast ended. And I had a break for six months because just couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> it's too much. It is and a then, lot. And then um, Giles uh, is a friend of mine um, via Twitter. And Giles was on the Guna Ramble. And I remember being at work one day thinking, oh, do you know what? I just fancy being a guest on a pod. I just fancy talking about football again. And no word of a lie, he'd WhatsApp me and goes, do you want to come on the Guna Ramble? And I went, yeah, I'd love to. He goes, but we'd like you to come on regularly. And I went, yeah, I just want to be a guest. I don't, I don't have anything to do with it. I'll just turn up, talk and go. And that's literally what happened. And then that was really good. And they had lots of different people on the Guna Ramble. And then I said to... Um, uh, Giles and Axe at the time I said do you know what I'd love to get the girls together um let's I'll just find some girls and we'll do a girls but I missed that because obviously the I, I originally started with just girls then Gareth turned up and um 
I got Seema because Seema was already on Goona Ramble and I knew her. And then a friend of mine, uh, Sophia, who I thought would be good. And I said to Axe, I can't really find another girl that I think would be any good. And then all of a sudden, Axe went, well, I've got a friend called Sophie Nicolau who is just brilliant. I went, okay, give me her email. I emailed her. And then what happened was she responded and said, I'd love to do it, which is her. Literally, this is how it started. And then we can bring Sophie in and then Kev. And then we we did a pod and it just was brilliant. I hosted it, not that I'm good at hosting. but And the girls were brilliant. They all knew their football. It was a proper, proper football pod. And we all loved it so much. It was a one-off, but we all loved it so much we wanted to continue. And we did continue for a couple of years and we became Highbury and Hills. And then things happen again. And Sophie and I were left to find our own pod. And Sophie came up with the name within about two minutes of the Highbury Squad. I went, I love that. And the two of us have been together every, ever since. Um, and during that time, <laughs> Mr. Kevin Campbell, that way, I can't even do it that way, wherever he is on the screen, um, I got friendly with him on Twitter and, you know, I invited him on. And he literally, we can't get rid of him, Dan. He does every pod with us and we just can't get rid of him. He just... Just begs us, don't you, Kev, to be on our pod? <laughs> big time, big time. He just begs. And I'm honestly trying to get read, so hopefully you'll get the hint now. Um, and, yeah, no. And the three of us uh, just started Highbury Squad. Um, Sophie and I, Kev was with us as much as he could be. And it just works. It just works. I mean, big up to Soph. She's not been doing pods every few days. She's been doing them every day in lockdown. And... I can't do as many because I'm working from home. I have too many other uh, things going on. But the pods have been brilliant, and we just really enjoy it. We have very, we've had some wonderful guests, and we've had Ryan Giggs, Gary Lineker, just Alan Smith, obviously Kev. It's just brilliant who we chat to. We won't just have only Arsenal people. We love rival fans. We do lots of different things. We're not about being controversial. We say what we got to say. As you can see, the three of us non-stop argue it's just great and that that's really how how it's happened um <laughs> no guna no mike no no you have to come to us first if you want well, we to tried to transfer amanda we tried to get a, a free transfer <laughs> didn't we kc in the summer and it didn't it didn't work out guna's podcast let us down there because you know he said that she no was one too, too ozil money for 14 pence no one wanted me so i have to stay one penny but, more but I think the Highbury squad is really now mine and Sophie's home. And that's it. That's how I got into podcasts. It literally was a tweet. I didn't even know, honestly. When someone went, it's like a radio show. I went, well, why do they want to listen to me? And so many things have come good from Twitter and lots of different things that I've done over the time. And I love being guests on other people's pods as well. So that's how us three came together. How about you, Soph? Because you were you were, you were a journalist. I mean, the first thing I saw of yours was you interviewing David Beckham on your YouTube channel because you're the correspondent. Um, you do a well, you, 20th Century Fox. You started off over there, didn't you? And I saw that you met Sean Connery and one of my favourite actors. And then you were doing the oh, MLS. Did you see that name drop? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well. Yeah, I mean, I started, I actually started just trying to report on Arsenal, finding gigs in London when I was still living in London and um, got a show on London Greek Radio, still 103.3 FM, 
big up to the Greek community in London. And then, you know, um, we got the opportunity to replace Peter Polikarpu, who was actually one of the boyfriends on the TV show Birds of a Feather. Do you remember that show? Yeah, back when- yeah I remember Peter. Yeah, and, you know, Peter was a great guy, but he was busy with his acting stuff. And so they pulled in me and this young kid called uh, Polis Polikarpu, really amazing guy. Um, names out, aren't you? All these, no one else can say. Yeah, well. You and- can be making them up. No <laughs> And so they gave us a shot to do a show aimed at second and third generation Greeks, like talking in English, a little bit of Greek as well, but bringing in like a little bit of sports, pop culture. So that's really how my radio career started. I think it was in 92. And uh, big up to Polis and Andreas. They're bringing Greek singers in, in the UK now. They've carried that on. Really great stuff. And and then during that time, I was doing that at night. So I had a day job where I was trying to make it in the entertainment industry, working for 20th Century Fox. And then at night, I'd go and do this show. And um, and then, you know, my career kind of evolved, got to work for 20th Century Fox, Sony Pictures in the UK. I can I can name drop a little bit more, Amanda, as you know. Um, <laughs> I've had the yeah. pleasure of working with some of the most incredible talent in the entertainment industry that, you know, for me, are some of my fondest and, and, and greatest memories. Uh, but my passion was always to talk about sports. So I veered away from that. Um, but when I moved to the US, I worked for 20th Century Fox still. I tried to get away and then they pulled me like the Al Pacino scene. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> um, so I took the job and, and then started talking on World Football Daily here um, when MLS was on the rise. And I mean, I got to interview Patrick Vieira, which was just a dream come true. Uh, Andre Pirlo, Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard covered David Beckham. That's really how it kicked off for me with TalkSport. We used to do a, a nighttime a segment for them uh, when I was covering LA Galaxy and, and David, top shelf guy. And then it goes from there to other legends like Zlatan. The toughest one for me to really get into was Robbie Keane, but he was so good for LA Galaxy. Um, Casey and I were talking about Ericsson and this Jacka Ericsson rumored swap and, and rival players going to, you know, rival teams and stuff. And so, Robbie Keane, I gave him a tough question once in the dressing room and he looked at me and he literally said, who are you? And I was like, all I wanted to say is, fuck you, who are you? You know what I mean? Sorry for the uh, F-bomb, but it's just fun stuff like that and I'm really grateful. And and then as Amanda told the story, started talking on Arsenal podcasts and I have to say a Burkamp Wonderland, uh, Jeff Arsenal is the one that introduced me to you guys um, a good few years ago now and I'll forever be grateful to Jeff Uh, for that introduction and you guys have been phenomenal and so supportive of women talking football and it hasn't been easy you know we've come a long way as women but at the same time it's still a struggle out there you get the odd dick that wants to say stupid things to you but we just stay focused we keep our head down and we work hard and we just love you know what we do and I would say this for a lot of podcasters not a lot of podcasters make money you guys you know we do this because we love Arsenal and we love and we have a passion for talking football. So for me, that's kind of like the journey in a nutshell. Just looking at our website, I've got a list of every show you've ever been on. It's an index. And the first one you did with us was uh, 10 bloody two when Bayern beat us 5-1 home and away. And you were on with Jeff Arsenal, me and Andrew Fife. Wow. Um, Jason was on there as well. And that was the 9th of March, 2017. That's wow. the first time that you were on. Did you read the message, Chris? I did. Yeah, I was just waiting for you to, <laughs> to, to 
I'm officially. Oh, I read the message. Sophie, you know when you, you know when you list off all the the Sean Connery and the Robbie Keane. Do you ever add Chris to that list? You know what, Chris is such a. I, on September nineteenth, I celebrate Chris because it's taught like a pirate day. So <laughs> I celebrate Chris and all of his greatness on that day. No, I mean Chris and I have a love for European football and and Liga. I don't know why. I mean, I think when I was doing World Football Daily, I had to cover every single league around the world. So I fell in love with Bundesliga, Liga, Syria, and even the Copa Libertadores as well. I mean, it was so entertaining. And so being able to kind of talk about world football became um, a thing. So Chris and I share this French thing. Hi, hi. And, 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 and an MLS, MLS love as well. And MLS, um, absolutely. He's a, you're a Chicago Fire fan, right, Chris? I am, yeah. I missed out yet again, but you know, yeah. less said about that. Yeah, another bad season. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, Kev. Um, next, well, sort of, Danny rests his uh, his his voice for a moment. But how did you transition from becoming obviously an ex footballer when you retired into the broadcasting industry? Because a lot of a lot of Arsenal fans will, will know you from your Arsenal career, but you had spells in Turkey. So you played for Everton for a bit. There's there's a whole long list of clubs that you played for and, and represented. So I guess people knew of your face and knew sort of the, the skills, the talent you had. But you think of the thousands of professionals who do retire and you never hear from again. So what got you that that in, if you like, into broadcasting and what made you say, yeah, this is what I want to do? Well, Chris, I, I'll be honest with you. Nothing was planned, to be honest. Um, I was I was playing football. I was I was I was always been comfortable in front of the camera or whatever um, in interviews and stuff. But it wasn't something I, I'd planned or or anything like that. It was just like a a, a natural um, transition because when my career finished, um, I got uh, opportunities out in Dubai to do Premier League football and stuff like that, and I took it. I went over there. I done a few shows. People liked it. Um, and then you start getting more thrown at you. Obviously, you come back and you do the odd interview and stuff like that. And it kind of built up from there. And um, I wasn't really on social media. I've got to tell you that. Um, but w one thing I will say is what really changed everything was one day I was walking and uh, a fan came up to me and he said, why don't you ever re respond to me on Twitter? And I said to him, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I always leave a message for you, but you never reply. And I said to him, I'm not on Twitter. And he said, yes, you are. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? So I was yeah. like, I'm not on Twitter. I'll show you my phone. I'm not on Twitter. So he says, well, who's that on Twitter then? So I said, well, I have no idea. Who, who is it on Twitter? So he gets his thing up and... And this Kevin Campbell character on Twitter had <laughs> like 8,000 fans. I'm thinking, hold on a minute, he's getting me in trouble here. You know, I, I think that, that the same thing happened when a Kevin Campbell character, <laughs> right? A Kevin Campbell character at a restaurant in uh, Palmer's Green kept going in there saying he was Kevin Campbell. Oh, how so funny. Good. Right? And running up a bill. And the owner, the owner found it funny, but he, I, he knew me, so he said, right, I know it's not Kev. So he called me when the guy was actually in the restaurant. <laughs> Could you imagine? And I turned up at the restaurant. And I <laughs> went and sat down, and the guy was like, oh, didn't know what to do. Yeah, so you could imagine. But obviously on Twitter, you don't know. It could be anywhere, can't it? You know, so 
that's what got me into social media. I said, right, well, I'm not going to have anybody impersonating me. So that's what made me go through the, the rigmarole of getting, getting my blue tick and all that kind of thing and getting on. So, and from there, obviously you start to, it's a different universe when you're on social media because there's so many great fans all over the world. There's some idiots as well. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but there are some fantastic fans and great yeah. people who do the podcast, etc. And, uh, all in this time, I met these two lovely girls and I met the crew cause I came on when it was the four of you, didn't I? Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, we kind of built a rapport and I think women in football uh, are essential. I really do. Great, uh, for process, great opinions. And you know what? They, they can argue, especially that one in your top right. She could argue with the best of them, right? So, and I loved it. I absolutely loved, we battled, we had a bit of banter. And that's what I listened. I, I, I support these two all as much as I can, because I think it's essential. We keep it that way and, and boost these lovely ladies up. Yeah. But also Kev, you are also very, very supportive of of us in anything we choose to do in our private lives and our work lives and everything. So as much as we may argue with you, because nine times out of ten you are wrong, um, we do love you <laughs> to pieces and we yeah, are like man. a little family. And that's how it's become because um that's how it works. We're just like brothers and sisters and that's it. So we we really appreciate you as well. Can I just can I just add to after the back end of last season, do you know when there was the uh, We Care Do You? Do you remember yeah. that? And the team were in America and uh, Koscielny didn't want to go and all that. And, you know, uh, we made a pact with the girls. We made a pact with the, with the ladies to say, we're going to do, we're actually going to do more. We're going to connect with the fan base a bit more. And it, obviously these lockdowns now have kind of helped us mm -hmm. do that. Haven't they, girls? You know, yes. it's it's important for us to connect. There is a huge Arsenal fan base out there, and everybody's podcast is valid, uh, yep. whether we share the same opinion or not. Yeah, but I just yep. think it's a it's a you know it's great being an Arsenal family, part of it. I agree, and I think one of the beauties about you know our show is it's not just about analysing games and talking about games and tactics and drilling down like that but we want to kind of infuse the pop culture lifestyle about the game and we've infused some shows like the Evergreen series where we had the wonderful Dave Seeger you know that episode still touches my heart when I think about it and I watch it you know when Dave lost his son and he gets the FA Cup delivered to his house and just talking to him about that after being a lifelong Arsenal fans. I'm in touch with Maria, who is, you know, like the all-time Arsenal fan. I mean, Maria is someone who's watched home away, under 23s, women, uh, uh, an amazing youth, youth team. Youth, youth team goes to every game. And now we've infused like the inside the dressing room where we get Casey and another player talking about football and kind of taking us beyond the pitch as well. So that's what I really love about our show and and what we do as well and to be able to talk football every day like during this lockdown series we've introduced with super kev is just really a treat i mean it really is i, I can't even begin to say how thankful we are for that 
I'm not sure if uh, older people, listen, younger people listening to this realise what kind of player Kev was. He's one of our own. Mm-hmm. He came through the youth system at Arsenal, uh, a Willock, a, a Nelson, a Smithrow, um, uh, not Bellerin, because Bellerin came in from others. But all of those ones that we're excited now, Kev was one of those. And for yeah. him to have gone on and done so much, and to this day I still don't forgive George Graham for getting rid of you and bringing in John Hartson. Agree, Danny. John, yeah, no, Hartson. no, George, George didn't, Dan. George didn't. George was sacked before, wasn't he? He got the sack before I left. Did he? Yeah. Oh, you were there. Was, I'm not going to argue. It was Bru- remember, it was Bruno. <laughs> you argue with me. That summer, remember, Stuart Houston took over. Yeah. yeah. It was Stuart Houston who brought um, John Hartson, Chris Kawamia, Glenn Helder. Do you remember that yeah. lot came in? Oh, scumbag. And, 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 then, <laughs> and then at the end of the season, obviously, um, it, it, it was all changed. Everything was changed. The George Graham era, that team kind of changed. And I was out of contract. And uh, it didn't quite work out with, with, the, with the manager. So that's why I ended up leaving. Uh, Ooh, but Ooh. obviously, if, oh, I, I, if probably if Wenger was there, it might have been different. But, um, you know... It, Bruce Rioch weren't my type of guy. And, uh, I don't think he you, was anyone's type of guy. Well, so he wasn't many people, yeah, was he? Certainly yeah, wasn't <laughs> No, he wasn't. And I remember Wright, he was calling me. And um, I'm speaking to Wright and he said, Cam's, what, uh, uh, have you signed that? I says, no, no, no. I says, I'm off. And he went, what? What's going on? So I said, Wright, all the best with this one, mate. And uh, yeah. I remember him calling me and he's saying, Cam's is murder with this guy, absolute murders. So, is, I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of problems in in that. Although we done quite well with the team at times, but the the camaraderie and the the connection between manager and the players was poor. Yeah, it's um, it's quite odd because I remember talking. We when you left and all these decisions were made, you were in your twenties, and I've, we spoke to Dave Hillier a few times, and Dave Hillier said, looking back at it. George, um, uh, Wenger came in and Wenger said, I'd like you to stay and be part of it. And he went, oh, my mates at Portsmouth, I think I'd rather go there and give that a go. And he says, uh, he, looking back, he obviously, he wished he'd have stayed now. But mm. you can't go back and change it. So you just have to no. deal with how it is. A question about um, your son. I didn't realise that your son was born in Manchester. I didn't even realise you lived in Manchester. I'm not giving yeah. that away. I was listening to your show the other day with, with, um, when you were talking about it. How does he feel about you doing all of this and being on the telly and, and being a, a media sensation? And yeah, all right. I, I tell you what, Dan, I'll come on again for you, all right, mate? I'll come on again for you. Where's that tenor? Um, come on. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, no, he, he don't He don't mind. He listens to it sometimes when he can. He's too He's too busy having a career now, Dan. I'm I'm the football dad now, and he's got the career. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, good luck to him as well. Listen, he's worked hard for it. Obviously born and bred in Manchester, and... Um, you know, I Has call he got it grass. A main accent, Kate? Yeah, I call it grass and he calls it grass. You know what I mean? One no, of them ones. So no. it's like crazy. <laughs> what what can you do? You know, what I mean, no. I'm trying to t- I bought him an Arsenal kit back in the day, wore it once, and that was it. You know what I mean? And then his he little tried. brother I bought him an Arsenal kit. He wore it once and then it was but, but they've been they've been Man City before the money. They supported Man City before they even had money. Because when they went to school, there's certain of their friends were Man City fans. James and all them boys. So they've been Man City again before yeah. the doll came in. So some things you just can't control. Hey, Casey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. hard for us because we all hate Stoke, and I want Stoke to do really badly until I realise your son was playing it. I know. That's how we feel, right? No. 
But you know, I've got to tell you this. It's, this is the funny thing. You know, I, I speak to loads of Stoke fans, and the Stoke fans, and uh, because they kind of clash with Arsenal because of the history, we know what's gone on, and if, if, you know what fans are like. Fans are horrible at times, but you know what? The Stoke fans I speak, they've got a lot of respect for Arsenal. It's just when you get them head to head with Arsenal fans, Arsenal ain't going to give an inch, and Stoke fans aren't going to give an inch. But you know, behind the scene, they've got so much respect for for the Arsenal. It's it's incredible, and a lot of Arsenal fans are coming round a little bit. I don't mind Stoke doing well if your boys in there, but you know. yeah, well, yeah, that's the only reason we want them to do well. Yeah, we <laughs> got right. a couple of questions in the, in the chat from um, Julian Salmondo. He says, uh, "Ask ask Super Kev about the behind the scenes chat about the Paul Lydeson deal." and George Graham going. I thought at the time that the team was really suffering under George Graham's style of play because he changed his style of play, didn't he? I remember um, we had Anders Limpar on and he, he said that George Graham decided to change it all, took out all the flair. He wanted hard-working John Jensen-type players in the midfield and and uh, things weren't didn't really work out. I don't know if you can say anything about the whole Paul Lydeson and the Rennie Haag deals or anything like that, but as a player at the club at the time, could you see all this happening? Well, I mean, we used to go to Norway and, and, and Sweden for pre-season training because they were in their season. Uh, anyway, so seeing Rune Hager and and, and and stuff like that. So, you know, we used to, they used to, we used to see them, but we never were really in, into the, the talking about deals or anything like that. And, you know, when we heard that um, George Osile and Paul Lydeson, you know, we just thought, great, get him in. Let's let's have a let's have a look and see what he's he's about. So, you know, he was he was always going to be a squad player because really that team at the time picked itself. Um, but you know, when you when you come into the Arsenal, it's a it's a tough school. And George George did change it a bit because when you look at he put in players where he could really control. I think I think that was the key. Players he could really control. Mm started mm-hmm. going in because people with flair have a bit about them. And George, at the time, he was always coming up to loggerheads with certain players, you know, Rocky and Mickey Thomas's of this world had gone. Charlie Nicholas. And Char- well, Charlie had gone uh, earlier yeah, and, and, and it, we became a work, we became a more workmanlike side. A bit Mourinho-ish. Which, yeah. You know, it, it was, it was, it was a lot more grunt. Than, uh, and graft and than flair, so yeah. um, you know that's that's what he could control. And we we turned from a league winning side into a cup team. In the cup, we could we could grind out a, a, a win. Bit like now, in the league, yeah. In the yeah. league, we weren't consistent enough because we didn't have the flair. Yeah, Sophie, you're right. It's, it, yeah. it was a bit like feels a bit like now. Although mm-hmm. Arteta wants the flair, but he doesn't have the money to get the flair. George was lucky; he inherited a lot of lot of his flair. So. Well, they never gave him Usem Auer, so there was we were left with a flairless team. Flair well, flair. No, we've got flair. We've got flair. We've got flair. Yeah, just see it. You to see no, it. No, no, we've got it. flair. It would, it's a mentality of the players that's to change a little bit. Or the manager changing who he selects. That that we like to see against Leeds, Wolves, and Spurs next. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you got any questions, Chris? Or I can um, just carry on. 
Uh, well, I've just just got one, which is a slightly uh, slightly. Um, no one's going to find this funny, but me. But I don't really care. Kev, the the candy <laughs> the uh, the candy cane hoop socks. There were no better socks in the Arsenal era than those, oh, were they? Man. Talk about the bruised banana oh, kit. But those, those yeah, kind of well, white hoop socks were something else. Well, it, well it's funny those. when we when we first saw because you know they re- revealed a kit to the squad, and we see the socks and we're like, what the hell are these? You know. <laughs> What the hell are these like? You know, a stick of rock or whatever it is. But they 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 soon became quite because when you put them on, they were they were different than the old sock. The old sock got wasn't the best. This sock was all nice and stretchy, and you know it kind of went. It was like okay, we we could work with this one, and uh, it, it grew on us. To be honest, um, those socks that it did definitely grow on us. I love those socks. So did I. Yeah, I, I bought some a few years back. They cost me about thirty quid because they were that rare. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still have a pair. Like they're good at Christmas, especially as well. <laughs> those socks—they come in handy. <laughs> that, that was oh, really? a level. Of, <laughs> yes, that was the level of my input, Danny. Sorry, but I had to. I had to go. There. <laughs> That's what there I've been doing. Yeah. Those there are they. hot. You know what's there so annoying? I he doesn't look any different. No, doesn't no. age this guy oh, at my all. God. Okay, if you could go. Go on, Sophie. Sorry. He's, ben- he's Benjamin Button. Getting <laughs> younger. We watched that two nights it's like ago. Zlatan Benjamin Button literally gets. Okay, uh, if you could go back and give that young man there a bit of advice, what would you what would you say to him? Listen to Amanda in the East Stands Upper when she was having a go at him. <laughs> <laughs> Campbell, will ya? Oh, yeah, you know. How did you know, Danny? That was one of the shirts. She was trouble. No, I, 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 I didn't say will ya because I'm not common, but I said I swore. So, oh, young man, yeah, young man. Young no, man, young man. Please swore Could with you the best move of up the field, please. Do, do you know, do you know what, what advice I'd give that young man if I could give him some advice from Take now to then? Yeah. Keep enjoying it. Keep enjoying yourself. You're yeah. playing for the team who you supported as a kid. You've you've scored your first goal in front of the North Bank. Your first trophy in the first team was the league title. You won the FA Youth Cup as part of Pat Rice's youth team. You've you've played with some unbelievable legends at the club. Enjoy enjoy your football. And you know what? I wouldn't change a thing because I've had such a great career. There's been ups and downs in it, but what what part of life doesn't have ups and downs? I've loved every minute, and there ain't many players who could say they've played for the team they supported as a kid and were successful. So I'm blessed. I'm truly am blessed. You know what's really amazing as well, guys, is that there aren't – I always equate this too to – it's so hard to have a hit television show. So to be in one or two, and there's very few actors that have been in, like, hit television shows, like to play and be a legend for two teams and and then also be a legend, like, no matter how you splice it, you know, that that Survival Sunday game with West Brom – you know, Super Kev and all those players—they live in eternity for that for that club. But to play for a club like Arsenal and Everton, and for the kids out there, Everton in the '80s were just one of the sexiest football teams to watch. And then, you know, they had this fun side that I think promised so much and did so many great things. But to be a legend for like two clubs like that, you don't get a lot of players that achieve that. 
that that kind of um, that goal in 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 football. It's really it's really quite incredible. And yeah, every I mean, fan that comes and talks to us on Twitter from all of your clubs all love you, which makes me so angry. Kev. <laughs> You're not angry. <laughs> it love make you. You and that's the thing. It don't it don't make you angry, but you you played the angry girl. I uh, like that, PG. I know. But you know you what? Do. No, but you know, you know the truth. I, I think the when you're at Arsenal, and this is this is the truth, what I've got to tell you now. When you're at Arsenal, coming through the ranks, you are taught life skills that you still... I still use the Arsenal life skills to this day. You are taught the, you know, remember who you are, what you are, and who you represent. You always got to make sure you always do your best. Even if it's falling apart, you've always got to keep turning up because you know what? At Arsenal, that's what Arsenal are about. Arsenal, you never jack it in. You always try your best. And those life skills are still with you today. You always take the challenge on. Because some of the clubs where I joined and later on in my career, it wasn't about money or anything. It was about the challenge. Me mm-hmm. leaving Everton to go to West Brom was about the challenge. Can okay. I go there and make a difference? Would you yeah. ever consider, I've never asked you this, would you ever consider being a manager? Uh, at one stage, I did. I was going. I was going on the um, backroom staff at West Bromwich Albion with um, uh, who was it? Nigel Pearson. It yeah. was Nigel Pearson. It was Michael Appleton. It was Craig Shakespeare. Obviously, Darren Moore was on the staff as well, kind of. So they wanted me because I'd played such a prominent role in The Great Escape, etc had the boys here. They wanted me to start because I was doing my badges at Everton with Fergie, with um, Alan Stubbs and with Davey Weir. But I left there and went to West Brom. I had to concentrate on the football. Mm. So I didn't get into it as much. So they wanted me to go on um, after that. And the chairman pulled a contract. So they wanted me to have a playing contract and a coaching contract. And the chairman pulled a lot. So that's life. There's nothing I could have done about it. Brian Robson was absolutely sick. Um, but I said, it's not your fault, uh, Gaffer. You know, these things happen. That's when I left and I was in the garden up until the week of the season. And then I got a call from Sam Herman asking me to come down and have some champagne and oysters with him in Cardiff. So, <laughs> so you know, that's, that's the way football is. And unfortunately, but it's not too I- late though, Kev. It's not yeah, too late. Yeah, you it's, your yes, and stuff. No, no. It's it's gone now. It's gone now. I see Kev as an advisor type going in for a like a consulting or a contract mm. and just smashing it and geeing kids up or young players well, up and poof, Yeah. I'll tell you what I have been doing. What I have been doing on in, in the background, obviously, is is doing mentoring. Um yeah, I've, I've mentored a lot that. of young players who um have been released players who are, are pros who are trying to get into first teams, etc. They need some advice. They need some truth. And, um, you know, there was that young lad at Man City who, who took his life, you know, mm. it was it's so, just so sad. And he was, what is he? Was probably three, three, four years younger than my son. And I've got a son the same age as that lad, yeah. Kyle, mm. who, you know, he was at Man City when he was young, decided, no, he didn't want to do it because he didn't like the structure. Wanted to play with his friends, which I loved. Then at 15 turns around and said he wants to get into professional football. So, 
you said, right, you're going to have to start at the bottom. And he said, yeah, he's prepared to do that. And he's now at Buxton. He's played some first team. He's 17 now. He's played some first team games at Buxton last season. So he's on the right track, if you know what I mean. So, again, there's all these young players who need mentoring. They do. And it's mm -hmm. great to see, I think, Michael Thomas, Andrew Cole, um, Paul Williams. There's a, quite a few of the ex-players now who are helping uh, youngsters with their mentoring because a lot of these guys, they, they don't know and they don't get it from the club. So it's essential that experience helps them. You know, KC, that's such a great point because here in the NFL as well, especially that became a huge trend. I think Deion Sanders, prime time legend, you know, incredible, smashed it. Like, yeah. incredible athlete, you know, athlete, baseball yeah. and NFL uh, started doing that. And, you know, then you go to plays like Ray Lewis that kind of continued that. And that's a huge, huge part of Kobe, um, the late, great Kobe Bryant. Um, started doing that in his career too, advising young players, giving them advice. It's such a huge, important part because, you know, we deal with disappointment on a daily level in our lives. And when you go into football and you think you're going to make it and then you get cut loose, you, you really, a lot of these young players don't realize that there's so many other parts of the sport that they can be involved in. And letting them know about that, I think is a huge thing. Um, so, the mentoring part is so you. I think that's super cool. Every, every club, as far as I'm concerned, Soph, every club should have a panel of minimum yeah. of three ex-players yeah. to help to help these academy kids, just to be seen around, asking them how they are, knowing who gets you know released, etc. Mm -hmm. So these guys can go around and see them and make sure they're all right. Like a social I, I don't know why it's not in yeah. place, but it needs to be in place. It's not like they can't afford it, and they, you know, if they have a, a handful of Congress, have a handful of them there, like you like you say, they could pay pay. It's a good way to give ex ex players a, a decent wage. They've all been through it all, like helping with social work, and even like wasn't it on the, the Spurs documentary, Chris? Where we, we were laughing because Deli Ali said he's, he made an omelette for the first time ever, and this is a bloke who's in his mid twenties. Huh? Yeah, I think I think that schools nowadays they just don't teach what should be taught. To be life honest, skill. they need to know yeah, exactly finances, life skill, everything, because mm. for their mental health and to to progress in this world, there's so many things they don't know, and they're not taught it. But just something I want to go back to something. So, PG, yeah, can I just can I just put um, uh, 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 something into your minds? Every kid, or virtually every kid that I've mentored who had been released had contemplated suicide. Oh I reckon goodness. this 80% had contemplated. Because when you think about it, they're probably 15, 16, 17 or whatever. All they've known from probably the age of six or seven is professional football or being at the club. Yeah. So they've yeah. done it from such a young age. Now they've gone through their, their teenage years and yeah. through school. And some of them are half days at school. And then the rest of the day, they're at the club. They don't know so anything else. They don't know any different. And, and when they get never released, been, they're welcome. They've never known disappointment. Yeah. yeah. They've never known disappointment. So, sorry, I didn't want to cut across you. I just wanted to get that into the, the, the psyche that this is so big, this... Um, and this, that's where social that. media can help because I'm not being funny. The amount of tweets I've seen recently where people saying, I don't feel good. 
I just don't feel good. I've never seen so many. I know this year has been an absolute frigging nightmare for everybody. But the age group I worry about is my son who's 17. It's a nightmare for him at the moment and the older. But everyone seems to be struggling. And I think where social media can help and come together is to support anyone. Anyone that needs it. It doesn't hurt to write a nice tweet. Always, always be kind. You just don't know what people are going through, whether they're like gobby like me or confident like you lot or whatever, you know, all of us. People don't know. So be well, kind. Well, shows like this, Dan, it shows like this that, that actually get people positive because it's something to look forward to. Yeah. And that, that's why these podcasts really help people. I tell you, because it's something that, do you know what? I'm going to look forward to this podcast. So I'm looking forward to, to going on and seeing, you know, the hybrid squad on, on, on your uh, podcast. Dan. you know, it's, it's incredible what, what people need right now because their lives are upside down. More so that they can get involved. They can, speak to you you know they can write yeah. little questions in the chat room and you couldn't yeah. do that yeah that they need a lot of people are lonely they're not seeing families friends it's a nightmare at the moment everyone needs to look out for everyone That's people just want a voice people just want to be yeah. heard in a world where everyone's kind of being silenced depending on what opinion they have people just want to be heard and i think that sports always brings people together this is why it's important that football carries on. I know that we're in another COVID phase two, three, or whatever it is. They're talking today about letting fans in earlier than maybe we expected. But, you know, the beauty about film, music, sports, it brings people together. You know, there's a reason why the Olympics kind of brings the world together every four years when it does. And it's all the in-between stuff that gets murky. But I think one of the beauties about social media is that connectivity and that fans can talk to someone like Kev or they can connect with podcasters that they have an affinity with. I think that's the real beauty about all of this as, as ugly as it can be sometimes, you know, I think that it also breeds a lot of good, healthy things too. Sorry, I was just going to say, I know Kev is, is a bit pressed for time. So I just wanted to get this one in. Kev, no, no, finish... I'm not pressed anymore. I'm not pressed. I've just told my, just I've canceled. just told them. That... No, not cancelled. No, I said, give me another 15 minutes. So... Oh, perfect. Okay. I've just, um, I've just finished. Um, I say reading. Um, I've, I've listened actually to Nicholas Bentner's audio book. And um, whilst <laughs> there is, uh, let's just say, questionable content in there, um, what's very clear to me is that this kid had an awful amount of talent um, and he knew from a very young age that he had an awful amount of talent. And as somebody who played with an extrovert like Wrighty, for example, I just wonder, like you talking about mentoring players, if you were, if you, when you were training at Arsenal or if you were training in the modern day, you look at players like Bentner, who've, you know, ultimately, yes, he's played for some massive clubs, but I'm pretty sure he'll look back in 10, 15 years and go, if I just hadn't had that night out in, you know, on 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 wherever in London, or if I hadn't have gone to that party, or I hadn't have done that, whatever. Is there is there sort of um like a hard and fast rule that you would give to younger players and say, look, there's nothing wrong with being confident, but there comes a time where you have to just work hard and you have to just say, yeah, you can be loud, you can be the, the, the voice of the party and you can enjoy yourself, but ultimately don't look back. So you were saying there, you, you don't regret anything. Do you think that's harder for younger players now? Uh, I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's harder. I think there's probably some more different challenges where social media 
Um, it plays a part in how youngsters operate now. But for, you know what? Football's just still the same. The ball is still round. There's two goals at the end of each of, of the pitch. And, you know, when you cross that white line, you've got to perform. Now, if you're out partying and you can go across that white line and perform, nobody could say anything. But nine times out of ten, the moment you're out and about and doing other things and not having your mind on the game, and then you try and cross that white line, you'll get beaten because other players are more dedicated than you. Everybody trains hard. Everybody is committed. And if you're not committed, you're going to get found out. No matter how talented you are, Pat Rice always used to say to us, fail, fail not having the talent, never fail from not having the application. And that's the, that's the mm. key thing I would say to any youngster. In, in any walk of life, anything they're getting involved in, you have to be true to that discipline. Whatever it's football, whether it's journalism, whether it's road sweeping, you know, because even if you do that half-heartedly, somebody's going to take your job because you're not doing it properly. So, uh, yeah. yeah, tough school. Yeah. It's a tough school. for the, Especially for, you know, especially for these youngsters. Like, I've never had to have this conversation with my, with my eldest son. My youngest son, I've had to have this conversation when he's obviously wants to get back into it because I've got to prepare him for what he's going to go into because he's not going into it as a, as a, as a kid. He's going into it as like a scholar. So mm. it's going to be a shock to his system what's about to come because, you know, we've just been playing with his school team and, and Sunday team and that. So it was a shock to him. Yeah, but... You know, it's so funny as well because everything's relevant or on, on your level, right? I remember growing up, I told my parents I wanted to work in the film industry. And, you know, I was a, growing up a Greek girl in London. Things were a little bit different back then. You know, growing up in an ethnic family was different back then. And their response was like, you, you know, you're not going to be an actress. And I said, I don't want to be an actress. I just want to work in the film industry, you know, like you know, find a role that fits me, suits me. All I knew is that I wanted to be in, you know, I saw the 20th Century Fox logo when I watched Star Wars as a young girl. And I was like, I, that's what I want to do. A bit like David Beckham when he saw that vid Spice Girls videos and he saw Victoria Beckham, he, Beckham and he said to Gary Neville, I'm going to marry that girl. That was me and Star Wars and the Fox logo. But my parents were like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to go and be an accountant or a lawyer. And that's how things were more back that day and so it's never easy trying to follow your dreams depending on where you grow up and how you grow up but once you get into whatever that dream is it's all about working hard I mean I and I I, I I wrote a letter to 20th Century Fox every week and I said I want to work for you one day and they kept writing me back and said when you're old enough and so I just kept writing them a letter you know the office in London and then one day they called me and they said, we have an, uh, um, an opening for a secretary. And I was like, yes, I'm you know, for me, for me, I didn't care. You know, I wanted to be a publicist, um, really, but I, I was like, yes, I'll take that secretarial job if I get it. And I did end up getting it and then just, you know, worked my way up. And I think in today's world, and I don't want to you know, criticize generations, but there is a little bit of that. I, I love millennials. I've managed them. I've worked alongside them. They've been my boss as well. And I've learned so much from them. Uh, but this instant gratification part of life these days, it's just, 
not real. You know, you still have to graft and work hard. And and I think there's a lot of reward in that. You know, you can sit back and look at your sweat, tears and your scars and really be grateful for those moments. So I think whether you're, no matter what discipline you're in, all of those things apply. So it's a great point, Casey. Very good. Um, people are putting in lots of really good questions. Um, don't put them here because this is just talking about podcasting little bit of stuff. There's um, there's their YouTube link for the Highbury Squad. Go because this lot are there every show. So go and um, go and subscribe and follow. Actually, you can't subscribe. Okay. Very nice. You do subscribe. They need to they need to have some kind of organised format where you either follow, subscribe, or that lot because each different um, you, um, social media is different. But yeah, go there every show. They'll have all these things. You can give them all the questions there. Um, last five minutes of the show, Sophie. What sort of stuff have you got? Like also go and go back, people, and listen to theirs. They did a show yesterday with Mickey Gray. He talks a bit about ten fifteen years ago they stopped kids cleaning boots, and he says that makes that makes you have a better grasp of reality as as a young man coming through rather than being wrapped in cotton wool it's really good lovely bloke everybody loved that Sunderland side of him and um, Kevin Phillips and uh, Peter Quinny, Reed. fantastic Quinny, Quinny. No, Quinny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a kind of listen to that show and then yes an ex-pro along with Kev talking about um how it used to be and maybe uh, the people in charge should have a listen to that and maybe change yeah. a few things stop molly cuddling mm. all these young kids but what stuff have you got coming up Sophie We've, uh, we're going to do another Inside the Dressing Room. That's going to be a big part of our series going forward. We have another Evergreen series um, coming up as well, which is we take uh, someone, whether they're a key influencer or just a, you know an Arsenal fan somewhere in the world, and they tell us their story about how they fell in love with the Gunners. Uh, when the season kicks in again, we'll be doing our post-game shows and, and stuff like that. Um, but, you we're know, we're... We're rival fans pod, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we're doing a rival fan pod. Yeah, we we'll, we'll even have a Tottenham fan on when we play the North London derby. So for us, it's about creating content that really engages the fan, gets the conversation going, gets the fires burning, whether you agree or disagree with us or not. You know, that's, that's our goal. So, um, you know, we're really proud of the lockdown series and what we've been doing. And we really appreciate the support and you sharing it with um, with your listeners as well. And and the Mickey Gray Kevin conversation; those are the episodes that I really love, Brilliant. where you can go back and listen to those stories. I mean, some of the stuff that they talked about, um, you know, you guys will really enjoy. It really takes you into the dressing room, and only players can tell certain stories. I think there are great journalists that tell amazing stories, and we as modern day bloggers and and uh, vloggers and stuff. Uh, have our stories to tell too but when the players get together and they get into that banter it really is a totally different type of conversation hey well, one thing i didn't put in uh sophie which i wanted to talk about but i couldn't was you know i used to clean um uh, boots at, uh, at arsenal mm -hmm. and viv anderson i had viv anderson charlie nicholas and i had free staff so i used to do five pairs of boots and Viv Anderson tried to charge me at Christmas <laughs> for cleaning his boots. <laughs> he was tight as anything he was. And I wind him up. Even funny. to this day, I wind him up. He ended up giving me 20 quid, right? He ended up giving me 20 quid. And he says, because they used to call me Rambo, obviously. He said, listen, Rambo, you should be paying me to clean my boots. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Mickey was talking about getting tips and stuff. And Viv was yeah. like sh uh, sh shunning you. And that's brilliant. Oh, but Frank Frank Lampard talked about it, didn't he? He's like, I wish we could bring back those days. Because, he, you know, even Frank talks about 
just these lessons you learn by doing that and and the level of respect you then have when you even get Mickey and uh, KC were talking about that elusive wanting to be in the first team you know be in the dressing room the dressing even be room, recognized oh. you know just getting into that moment so hearing them talk about that kind of stuff is just absolute gold brilliant stuff I think Viv Anderson is one of the um, easily forgotten players in, in Arsenal because he won all that stuff with Forrest, came to Arsenal, magnificent, scored the goals, one hell of a player. And then people just think that um, Arsenal um, right-backs started with Lee Dixon. Well, it didn't. Um, mm. For me, I mean, Pat Rice was before that. But yeah. Viv Anderson, always one of my... I think I've got a book that... I think he wrote a book at the World Cup. It might have been Viv Anderson and Kenny Sampson wrote a book together about them, the, one of the World Cups. I've got loads of those old books like that. But just, I was just thinking, there's um, there's a bloke called Junior McDougall. He was a trainee at Spurs. And most trainees at Spurs now can just go out and buy brand new Bentleys. He mem- I remember him telling me back in the uh, the early 90s when he was still, when he'd only just left, he said he bought Sol Campbell's second-hand car off him, an old white Escort convertible. And that's the kind of levels you had to deal with back then. I don't want Junior's <laughs> up to now, but he's a lovely bloke. But having to buy your mate's second-hand cars, and now money means nothing to them. So then if money, like there were so many players back in the, and in the probably the third generation of Arsenal youths under Wenger, where they're all on 40 grand a week. And then one of them, it might have been Craig Eastman or one of those said, all I really care about is getting my wages every week. Don't really care about football. That was the gist of it, not not mm. verbatim. But there were so many, so many young players were just ruined by money. But what well, if you, you see, don't, Dan, you, Dan let me just tell you, yeah. the, 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 thing about, the thing about money is if you let the youngsters just run amok, mm-hmm. they will. In at Arsenal, you had Pat Rice as your youth mm. team. You had Jordi Armstrong as your reserve manager. You had wow. George Graham and Theo Foley at the helm. You had Terry Murphy and Steve Burtonshaw in the background, a youth officer, and all the people connected. This is where the first team players, the the the, the likes of Rocky, Tony Adams, Michael Thomas, Paul Davis, all these guys were there to keep you in line. These were the leaders of the club. But there's, there's, it seems like everybody's just too busy thinking about themselves. Yeah. Now, if you try and stop them, the kids will just go to another club. If you say no, we're, gonna, we're not going to pay you, ruin you with money. We're going to do it properly. They'll go, well, I'll go to Dortmund then. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying, one thing I'm not saying is you can't pay them what they deserve. Mm. You can't, but what I'm saying is there's a structure to it within the club. So, yeah. you know, if, if like a family, it's, it's a family. So there's, there's, there's rules to how you move forward and how you progress. And you've got to, the coaches and the players have to work together to get the mind of these youngsters in mm-hmm. line. Once they're in line, you're fine. I, if, I think that's why they can I th- run them up. Casey, I think that's why um, football fans like Chris and I gravitate to some of the other leagues as well, because you don't have players don't earn that kind of money. Premier League players do. I mean, in MLS, I'm interviewing someone who earns 65 grand and was a pool cleaner and he's playing next to a designated player like a Gerard, Robbie Keane, Lampard, Pirlo, David Villa, who's earning like four point five million dollars. I mean, that is real life. You know, these guys aren't earning shit tons of money like everybody else. And I I think that's why some fans have also gravitated to, you know, a lot of my family go and watch Barnet 
Leighton Orient. Yeah, Non-league or whatever. Lower league or non-league. Yeah. Because it's it's back to the real reality, real. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you ever want a real reality of lower league football, Chris there, he owns his own team, the, the Barbican Pirates, and the amount of grief <laughs> that he has to go through with the Plymouth FA, with the General FA, with all the uh, paying a fortune for for a waterlogged pitch that's at a 90 yeah. degree, dirty degree angle that's looked like a plough's been through it. You ever want, we've done it a few times, but if anybody ever wanted to uh, talk to Chris about that, he'll give you chapter and verse about how hard it is and how how much they do not care about you. I mean, from from what I can pick up, it's all about the money, which is most things in life, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, still is, still is. Yeah, even even in what's going on in the world, you, you can bet your ass the uh, the local FAs are still um, looking to scrape in as much money as possible and suspending teams for not paying pitch fees and God knows what else. Oh yeah, it's it's an it's an ongoing cycle. But do they yeah, put nets we, on your goalposts, Chris? At least you get nets, or do you have to go fetch the ball? Like you know, <laughs> no, you 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 got to buy your own nets. So yeah. Yeah. You, you buy your own and you Crazy. and you put them up on your own. But um, yeah, we we took a year off this year because of the COVID situation because I just wasn't. So it sounds a bit um, doomy, I guess. But when you're just a, a simple bloke like I, I didn't want somebody. I didn't want it on my conscience that potentially one of my players could pick it up, go home, newborn baby, etc., and so on. I haven't got enough money to be paying out for that, and they didn't offer extra insurances for it. So I just said, you know what? It's not worth it this season. It's not worth it. And a lot of people laughed at me and said, oh, no, it'll be fine. Well, it's funny how the, you know, that the games, <laughs> the games got, um, that's very true, Josh. The games all got postponed again a month ago. And, you know, and, and I've, I've watched local, local, uh, local football um, while it's sort of been in the COVID times. And even despite all the uh, emails and the, the, the information packs and that, there's still loads of teams that are not practicing what they should be. And, you know, not putting safety things in, in place. And they do that because they can't afford to do it. No no Sunday League team's going to afford sterilisation kits and God knows what else. They're just not. So, you know, they're all taking a risk and people wonder why the spread continues and so on. So, you know, it's not just in this country. It's, it's everywhere. But unfortunately, money will always... They say that they filter it down to the grassroots, but not enough would be my way of, of saying that. Six free balls a year is, is not enough. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so sad. Um, yeah, right. Uh, we're going to close. So, Amanda, I know you always like to have the last word on your podcast. Anything <laughs> you'd like to say before we all go? No, just thank you for having us. It's been really nice. And I want to come back when everybody's on from the old show. I mean, FK, I was on with Andrew. Does he ever come on? My yeah, mate, he's Andrew. House. He said I he know he has. Yeah. I'd love to come on with Andrew. Oh, uh, Jeff. Date in the diary 2028. Are you free then? <laughs> 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 in a couple of months, let's do it. Yeah, I'll try and get you on with Jeff Arsenal. And yeah, I love my Jeff. He's got the pace for podcasting again and get Andrew Fife on there and yeah, have, have a bit of a chit-chat. Oh, um, uh, anything else Anything else you want to plug, Sophie or Kev or Amanda, before we go? Yeah. Uh, come join us tomorrow we're going to be live at uh, 7.30 UK time uh, we have a fun guest Carl Newman um, film director he's got a new if you're into Dungeons and Dragons uh, which is a phenom right right now Carl's been part of the new movement for it he's got a, a cookbook based on it it's a New York Times bestseller it's smashing it over here right now and on Amazon he's a gooner he's followed Arsenal around the world it's a world top, of Warcraft isn't it yes cookbook. yeah yeah um, he's a top Very shelf um, film director 
director as well, and he's actually a, a huge Star Wars fan and a consultant to J.J. Abrams on on a lot of these new movies as well too. So he'll be a fun guest that we have on uh, on tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we're doing a U.S. fan-based um, show. We'll have Arsenal Los Angeles on. Uh, maybe Michael pop on and say hello. Um, we have a, a few others as well that we'll be doing. So, yeah, um, just more fun stuff to come down during the lockdown series. Lovely, jubbly. Right. Cheers, Chris, for joining us. And we all want to say, come on, Montebello. Come on, Malta, don't we, Chris? Is <laughs> <laughs> their yes, strike. We want them to do well against the mighty Faroe Islands. I've been keeping an eye on it for you. Thank you very much, Amanda. It's been lovely to have you back. Oh, thanks, Dan. Thank you for having me. Bye, everyone. Cheers, Sophie. You have been uh, you've been charming as always. Thank you, guys. Um, and to the legend that is Mr. Kevin Campbell, thank you for entertaining me for my Come on, early you got us. Come years. on. <laughs> <laughs> See you all later. Bye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>